It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode of Where Did the Road Go is brought to you in part by our Patreons. In particular, this month is being sponsored by Lindsay Marie Trebet and Nick Martin. I thank you both so very much. And if you want to become a patron, you can do so at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? Tonight we will be dealing with some more listener stories, and I am joined by Shirley Black. Hi, Soraya. And Adam Sane. Yo, what up, Soraya? And uh, we're going to start by uh, addressing comments uh, from the people who gave us stories before um, about some of the stuff we talked about. So the last listener story, when I know Lee was in on this one, Adam, you haven't been on, in on one for a while. Um, yeah, but, I, but I've listened. So Okay, so Carrie uh, had written us about how she had uh, – it was she was the one in the house with the orange room with the orange and, and like had all kinds of poltergeist activity, but only in that house and everyone who was there had weird stuff happen. And, uh, Cheryl Lee, you had suggested that the one incident where, um, her and her sister, her sister's posters got all ripped up and stuff and that it might've been something unconscious between them. Uh, and she said, I just want to say my sister and I were not fighting. We were actually pretty close and still are. I do wonder about unconscious energy, though, on the part of my mom, who was horribly abused as a child and had a weird tie to my birthday, my own birthday becoming 16. Not that my mom would ever consciously do anything unkind to me or my sister, but she had a deep shame of her own tied into her own female adolescence. And my dad, whose family was very Irish, and he was very into the weird and supernatural. It destroyed our family. I wish I had... At the time, even one person who could who could look into my reality and tell me what was going on. The Ouija board told me I would die in a car accident at 17. I did have an art teacher tell me to actively resist that, and he introduced me to visualization and told me to see myself at 22 or so, happily alive. That was the best and only help I got dealing with the entity at the time. Well, that's really nice that she added that, because that makes things make so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah, that there's that there's those family dynamics. Thank you for for, for sending that in. Or did she email you? Or actually, whatever? that was she commented on YouTube on that one. Oh, okay, well, that's really nice that she did that. Uh, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So would and, you say with the the mother's kind of history and the father's interest in the supernatural might have made a perfect storm situation? A lo- a lo- yeah, like I can yeah. see. Go on. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, that it's 
anytime I've heard about, you know, families where there's been poltergeist activity, it usually comes down to some kind of family dynamic. And, you know, even the one person sometimes will take the blame for it. It's usually kind of a group energy that's really doing it, I think. And it probably builds off itself. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think it's really nice that somebody helped her by suggesting, you know, a positive way of approaching mm-hmm. kind of a scary subject. I know when I was little and I was, you know, really frightened by unusual experiences. And the best advice anyone gave to me was my grandma who said just to visualize light in the room and just create your own light. Like, you know, because I wanted to keep the light on when I at night when I went to bed and my mom wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. And so my grandma just said, well, just you know just imagine light visualize make your own light just light 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 and that was that was what really helped me through all that and now you see light all the time yeah and that's true now i see light all the time yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and the other one which was an anonymous uh entry was about the guy whose house was burgled and he felt something move past him uh telling him not to look and I don't know if you were on with that one, Shirley. Um, I think I might have might have been. Okay. Well, he said uh, he used the term here, but he said uh, he meant that the thing in the garage that I that he heard he really meant was like telepathic. He said he should have been more clear, um, and he had some little more to add to it. So basically, his house. If you go back to the the I think it was the last episode um, of listener stories. His, he came home, and when he pulled into his garage, he felt something move past him and tell him not to look, and he wasn't supposed to see this. And when he went inside, s- certain things were taken from his house, but not all the things you would think would be taken. Um, and his son has t- detected a weird smell in the garage for quite a while after that. So he says, uh, there's one update worth sharing regarding this situation. I don't think this is something that happened a long time ago. Uh, He said it was a few weeks after the incident. We had gotten an alarm by that time, and I was prepping a spell or a ritual or a series of prayers for the protection of our home. I was looking into various types of black salt, when to use, smudging, moon phases, the usual, as well as some more mundane things like better locks, reinforcing all the doors, motion control floodlights, cameras, barricade bars, drones. LOL, it was a fearful time, and we all felt violated in different ways. Our house is a split floor plan since my hours can be weird. And my, I assume he says that she, and I'm assuming he means his wife, is a really light sleeper that wants a granite slab for a bed. I work and often sleep on the other side of the house from the master bedroom. So as I'm doing all this, I'm pacing in circles between the kitchen and living room and the house. And I get this feeling like something is on the edge of the property. I look out the back kitchen window and I feel something dark near the well. Nope. Don't see a thing, but it just feels like the day we got broken into. And then I hear it again in my head, that same presence from the day of the break-in. And it says something like, you have nothing to do with me. I was not sent for you. That was why most of your stuff was left untouched. And he says there was nothing missing from his office. Uh, You did not manifest me and you do not control me. Do not continue with what you are doing on her side of the house. You have no power there. He said, I'm surprised and frightened and a little more upset. Like, what the hell is this crap? Uh, It feels very dark and oppressive, yet still I ask why it came. And it says, she manifested the event. You do not have the power to do what you want to do on her side of the house. 
You have no need to fear me, and you will have no ability to stop me if I come again. And then it was gone. He says, I kind of backed away from everything at that point, never seemed to be able to get the ingredients I needed for a high-level protection spell or anything. I did eventually smudge the house and say a few prayers. I've had issues with that side of the house since we moved in. Yes, there was a ghost cat, pump issues, other water issues. The ghost cat did not like the smudging that I performed when we moved in and eventually left for quieter places. I think it mainly left since I smudge and drum on a regular, reasonably regular basis, primarily when the primarily when the house was newer. Uh, other strange stuff has happened here. Weird shadow creatures, weird creatures passing through the hallway at night till I turned off their pathway with a mirror. Strange presences. I smudged part of the house at 3 a.m. since I felt something weird in my oldest son's room. And he says, by the way, I'm a very eclectic mage. I follow many paths, but would not consider one as being my path. I would not call myself a chaos magician. I figure out what works and stick to, to it until I need something different or discover something new. I did not go out to the well for a couple of days after that event, so I don't know if there was a funny smell my youngest son could not place out there. So that's definitely even considerably more strange than the initial story. Well, that's kind of how things work, though. When somebody tells you a, an unusual story, there's always more. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. Yeah. And I'm not really sure what to make of it. Or they tell you that they've never experienced anything supernatural, and then they... No. Continue to tell you that uh, the most crazy story you've ever heard. <laughs> well, in, in his case, he didn't really say he'd never experienced anything supernatural. It's just that this oh, was no, particularly weird, you know? Yeah. That is particularly weird. And is it just that house? I mean, I don't know how old he is or how many houses he's lived in, but I mean, I'm kind of curious about that too, whether yeah. this, follow this has followed him around from place to place or not. It seems like there would be a lot of questions that you would need to ask to get to, to to any kind of idea of what might be going on. Yeah. Because I know my feeling is if a house has bad vibes, throw a party. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Make it, make it a happy house. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, I mean, is yeah. He, is he still in the house? As I think so. Yeah. He he didn't give up. I mean, I read everything everything he said. So uh, he did say if we have questions. So there are our questions. Also, is there any reason that his his wife? Uh, like I said, I assume it's his wife. He didn't it, it didn't say specifically. Uh, would have something protecting her. Like, does she practice magic of any kind? Or is she a complete skeptic? In, in which case, nothing will bother her anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to a new story. This one. Uh, I just want to make sure I can say people's names. All right. This should be fine. Uh, this one comes from Lauren. And she says, I've always been curious about the paranormal. It seems everyone in my family has some pretty unusual stories, but for the most part, weird phenomena has skipped over me. I never really devoted a lot of time into researching or looking deeper into the paranormal, but I was always fascinated by my family's stories, although I must admit I always thought they were pulling my leg. My brushes with, the para with paranormal phenomena began in 2015 when I became pregnant with my first son. 
I was extremely sick very early on and was eventually diagnosed with, and I'm going to say this wrong, hyperresmus gravidarum. Anything, Shirley? I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Probably, which, uh, probably gravidarum. Yeah, that's probably right. Okay. Uh, which lasted my entire pregnancy. I had to quit my job and basically became totally <laughs> confined to my bed because I was either vomiting or suffering from debilitating nausea. Uh, I could attribute all these next experiences as simply me lacking nutrition, getting minimal sleep, and being constantly dehydrated, but it doesn't make it any less strange. Uh, I was laying on the bed one night. Let me pull this up better. Okay, I had woken up because I had the familiar fear, feeling of, dear God, I'm going to hurl where is the trash can, and proceeded to, well, hurl into the trash can. I took a sip of water, laid back down, and was immediately confronted by the sight of a large black shape dangling above the foot of my bed. I say dangling because it seemed like something suspended from the ceiling, just slowly waving back and forth. It was sort of an oblong shape, maybe like a four-foot person if they had their arms and legs tucked tightly next to their body, and their shadow just showed a head and then an oblong shape below it. I didn't feel scared necessarily, but I woke up my husband to ask him if he could see it. Of course, he just hazily replied, sure, and went back to sleep. I decided to ignore it, so I closed my eyes and only occasionally opened them to see if it was still there, which it was, until I fell, finally fell asleep. I've never seen anything like that again, and I don't believe it was a trick of the light because I always keep the light on in my hallway as sort of a nightlight, and I guess I feel like I would see this more frequently if it was a shadow of something. I'm open to the possibilities of what it could have been. So we'll start with that. We'll start with just that one. That's uh, odd. I'm... I'm curious about something here since we brought up in the first um, one or rather the first uh, follow-up that you read about uh, talking about the 13-year-olds and the sisters and the onset of puberty and that being that being a um, you know the, the classic poltergeist catalyst and all that what about pregnancy well it's definitely a liminal time period true and she points this out a little later on but uh yeah i i would think it's that's going to drive your your hormones and everything else through the roof and could could kick on some some unconscious pk do you know anything about this shirley i would say yeah that that's that well and i mean it's not just your hormones your whole body is doing all all kinds of stuff that's not typical for you at that time yeah and it sounds like she was having some extra complications on top of it Yeah, exactly. Well, she continues, shortly after this experience, I began having really vivid dreams about being the mother of twin girls. I had these dreams about twin girls during my second pregnancy as well. I knew I was having a single boy, so I just chalked it up to pregnancy hormones. The dream was basically that my husband worked at Jurassic Park, needless but hilarious detail, and he wanted to take <laughs> our toddler twin daughters to work, but I wasn't comfortable with that because we had one daughter named and the other one wasn't, and we needed to figure out her name. This was always the scenario, twin daughters who couldn't go anywhere because one was named and the other wasn't. This was quite mundane until you learned the second part. During my mom's first pregnancy with twins back in the 60s, she gained a lot of weight. Her blood pressure was sky high, and at this point, uh, more more medical terms. Uh, preeclampsia. Preeclampsia. Okay. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't really a thing. They called it toxemia and basically told her to stop eating salty foods. 
On Christmas Eve, when she was about six months along, she began having horrible cramps. Her assumption was that she had bad indigestion from all the food she had eaten during the two family gatherings she had been to that day, but was proven wrong when she went to the bathroom and gave birth to one of her babies. Turns out her toxemia was due to the fact that one baby had died in utero, the one she had given birth to in the bathroom, and was putting the other baby into distress, which ended up making her go into labor. Unfortunately, she lost both of the babies, and though I knew the story, it was not exactly something we talked about in in great detail. My mom only told me once that she had lost twins a couple of years before my brother was born. When I told my mom about my recurrent dreams of having twin girls, my mom said, I wonder if you're dreaming about the twins I lost. They were both girls. This was a detail that I nor anyone in my family knew except that neither I or anyone in my family knew except my mom and dad. Also, in the 60s, you did not find out the gender of your baby, so my mom had boy names and only one girl name picked out at that point because girl names were too hard for her to, to decide on. It gives me chills to think about the name she picked, which was also the name of the named twin in my dream. I can't even repeat it. Side note, I do have another strange dream story where my mom, sister, and I all had interwoven dreams the night after my nana died of my nana trying to contact my mom. And I can share that at another time, she says. So basically, she she had a dream about twins. One was named and the other wasn't, and it kind of mirrored what her mom experienced back in the 60s. That almost sounds to me like almost like a genetic memory or something. Well, uh, it's kind of unclear. Was she born before or after? I think after. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to me, that almost sounds like uh, that could be some kind of just the what is that uh, epigenetics? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that some kind of like learned genetic memory that she or just information that stuck around? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Because it doesn't necessarily seem like a spirit thing, but maybe. Well, there's a, oh, I, I, I think his name is Dan Booth Cohen, that he counsels families in what he calls family constellations. And, I mean, whether or not you believe that what's happened in your family past affects you. I mean, now they're kind of saying with epigenetics that it does. but But he gives counseling where he kind of talks to your relatives or has you talk to your relatives to find out whatever it was in the family history that's causing you grief now that hasn't been resolved. Mm. And so, yeah, so he does family therapy. It's not just the living members of the family, but the whole, what he calls the family constellation where people who came before you and you, and, you know, and whether or not they're having accurate memories of things that really happened or not, it seems like when people kind of address these issues that that the problems resolve themselves. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, there there is some kind of, like, it's not like a new idea that, that things that have happened in your family's past sometimes need to be brought up and addressed and acknowledged in some way. Hmm. I would think there would be some kind of, First of all, the genetic link between mother and daughter, and that you know, my, I mean, it's mitochondrial DNA, all that involved too, and then just the fact that obviously she was in the same womb as the twins once were, 
I mean, could that have something to do with it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So there's more. Uh, she says, close to the end of my pregnancy, I was starting to feel like a normal person again because I was put on meds normally given to cancer patients who are suffering from extreme nausea from chemo. And she says, ah, the joys of pregnancy. I had decided to spend the weekend at my parents' house while my husband went deer hunting. On my way home, I called my husband to let him, I would know, let him know I would be there in about five minutes. As I am driving around the bend of the road, right before a left turn into the neighborhood across from my own, I see this huge ball of light hovering near a box up on, a, box on, a, up on an electrical pole. At first I thought, huh, they must have put in a new street light. But then I realized as I got closer, the ball dropped down low to the ground, lingered for maybe two seconds, and then shot off across the road and into a pasture to my right. It was absolutely the most eerie experience of my life. I literally stopped the car and watched the light as it got smaller and smaller as it moved across this field, and then it was gone. I called my husband on the verge of hysterics. He told me to relax. It was probably just ball lightning. I had no idea what ball lightning was, so I immediately looked up videos of it on YouTube when I got home. A lot of the videos looked like what I saw. It had not been rainy or overcast day, uh, and a rainy or overcast day at all. It had been really sunny, and uh, it was around dusk when I saw it. It was light enough out that I could still see everything fine and dark enough to noticeably see this white, bright thing that I assumed to be a new streetlight. Even after finding out what it was, I still couldn't shake this feeling of being watched for days after this experience. Um, she says, after my son was born, weird stuff still happened, but not anything I couldn't rationalize away until my son got to be about one year old and I became pregnant with my second son. Only the phenomena seemed more directed at my son than me. I was only an observer. Let's stop real quick and address the light. The The light, I mean, ball lightning is plasma. There yeah, are, and, and you can get it when it's not raining. Um, right, I was about to say that too, yeah. And the it, I think that's a common misconception about it, that it has to be the same conditions as a thunderstorm. Right. It doesn't it, have to be. But plasma, you know, there are people out there who who have suggested, and I don't think this is a bad suggestion, that plasma may have some level of consciousness to it. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I, I, I mean, you can't say yes or no, but I wouldn't discount that either. So, um, all right. So let, let me move on from there uh, with her son. So it says, uh, or she says, it first started when my son would wake up every night laughing at something. I would go in and he would be wide awake and joyfully laughing while staring up at the corner of his room near his head. It was always the same corner he would laugh at. Sure, seemed weird, but not paranormal at all. Also, what the heck was he staring at because it was a pitch black in his room. As he became to walk and became more and more mobile, it became a joke between my husband and I that he was the clumsiest kid on earth. He would fall or trip multiple times a day. It was always when neither my husband nor I were watching, so we didn't know exactly what happened. We just assumed he had tripped as toddlers do. One day, I was folding laundry while sitting on the living room floor. My little guy was standing in front of me across from the room watching a movie. I glanced up at him and saw him one second standing totally fine, and then the next I saw his chest lurch forward like someone had pushed him. He didn't fall. Then it happened again, and he fell face first. The poor guy just cried and cried. I was trembling as I comforted him because it seriously looked like someone pushed him from behind to knock him over and then did it again when he didn't fall the first time. Only no one was there. 
Turns out my husband had seen something similar in a separate time, but thought it was just something toddlers did. I have witnessed several more of these phantom pushes, and the one of the worst times was when my son was walking into the kitchen with me to get a snack, and he was pushed so hard his feet literally left the ground before he fell down. He split his lip open when he landed face first on the ground, and it was ups- upsetting and unsettling. Since having my second son, the phantom pushes have not happened at all. My oldest son still wakes up in the middle of the night laughing or sometimes crying hysterically like or in pointing it to the corner of his room, different corner now because he's in a new room. When I ask him what he sees, he simply replies, Dada. My son has a speech delay, so I don't think he actually thinks he is seeing his dad, but rather Dada has a familiar familiar word to him trying to communicate to me what he sees. I would be lying if I said it didn't freak me out, but I've always sensed that ignoring it was the best thing to do. She says, I listened to one of your shows where it was discussed that kids probably see a lot of stuff, but after being told it isn't there or it's only in their imagination, they're conditioned to block things from their mind. Then as adults, we're somewhat blind to all this phenomena around them. Uh, So while I do ignore whatever it is, I will acknowledge that my son is seeing something, but that if he just closes his eyes and go back to sleep, it won't bother him. She says, sometimes I wonder if all of these things related are related to my pregnancies or maybe just my oldest son. I also recognize that I entered a one long liminal stage, if that can even happen, when I quit my job after becoming sick. I'm open to any possibility or possibilities. It was actually after all these strange experiences that I began to do more research and listen to podcasts and radio shows about unusual phenomena. It's how I found Where Did the Road Go to begin with. I would consider myself to be a religious person, but I have never once felt like these experiences were demonic or even angelic. Listening to your show helped me see that this happens to many others out there. While it can be strange and sometimes scary, it doesn't mean it's good or evil. It's just something we don't quite have a grasp of yet. It's what you make. It is what you make it. So thoughts. Well, I was going to say that pregnancy puts a lot of stress on your body and you know, it's stressful situations that make us more open um, to unusual experiences. And, yeah, the fact that she got so sick, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And, and it's definitely a liminal time period. I mean, not just uh, being pregnant, but being sick, losing her job, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that, that's even more stuff to add into that, that whole yeah. pile. She made a transition, and then she went on to have the two children. So that's all just a, a liminal time period. Yeah, I mean, being a mom with small uh, children, they grow fast. Yeah. 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 She she also she also has kind of run the gamut on a few things. I mean, you got kind of a uh, you got shadow people in there. You've got whatever that ball of light might have been. Uh. The more kind of poltergeist activity with the child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just is a the precognition. Yeah, whatever that that is, or she picked up about the twins. Right, and that once again, you've got these where all these different, supposedly different phenomena intersect in the same with, with the same person, and that's that's not very unusual either. And and the fact that it calmed down after she stopped being pregnant definitely suggests that that it, her the focus is her the energy is probably coming from her obviously yeah. she has no control over it it's completely well, 
or something is using her energy, however you want to look at it. Yeah, apparently the focus too is the uh, is now that that's that uh, that child as the, well. The first son, yeah. Yeah, the first child. So, well, why is that focus on that child? Maybe it could have been the child all along. Maybe not her. Well, that's a possibility. You know? But I, I would, I would say uh, also the Sierra Lee was talking about the stress on the body. I mean, there's a certain yeah. amount of stress on on the on on the fetus, the the baby, the child. Yeah, there's a liminal so, state. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Being the, oh, the ultimate li- liminal state, right? <laughs> well, and, there's the other thing that that mothers and children, like you know, when they've done tests of of psychic abilities, and they pair different, you know, people who have some kind of connection. Uh, to see which groups do better like twins do very very well but mothers and children mothers and their children have right do really well in those kind of tests hmm. particularly I, the mothers picking up on what the children um but i i would think you know it, it goes both ways and you have to wonder that if something is affecting her um what kind of bond does she have to this this child particularly it's her first child she said there's some developmental issues, so there's more concern with this child. Mm-hmm. That right. you know, it takes up more of her time and energy, and her focus is on this child. And so the fact that it that's where, you know, the phenomena is is going, gravitating towards what she's giving her attention to. Yeah, there's also a possibility too that um, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but essentially, like the stress that might that might come into the complications with that first pregnancy and then the child having issues does that stress then or or frustration then become manifest and then does that lash out to kind of try to hurt the child a little bit Mm. Mm. yeah you know that's an interesting way of looking at it well I, i think she's approaching it the right way she's not looking at it as good or evil you know, and she's she's not telling the kid he's not seeing anything, but she's also telling yeah. you know don't like, acknowledge like, it like a neutral energy. Yeah, yeah, and that that's the best way to deal with that type of stuff. Eventually, it'll just stop. Yeah, because you don't want basically you don't want to feed it. Right, it probably will. It, it, you know, I mean, I'm sure it, it, if she's seen it happen enough times, it, it seems that she's not overly concerned. Right. That she's dealing with something that's malevolent. Um, all right. Let's go with a short one. And and definitely feel free. What was her name? Lauren? I think it was Lauren. Uh, and I lost it. Oh. No, I think it. <laughs> I I moved it and now I lost it. Anyway, feel free to send us a story about your grandmother and uh, the the co-joined dream there about her communicating because that sounds interesting. Um, okay. I, yeah, I was also going to say that she, you know, um, don't just take our word for anything. If you want to correct us, go ahead because you know your experience is way better than we do. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay, this was a short one. It's just called A Gift from Catherine. And uh, he says, within, my, within days of my wife's death, I discovered my coping measure. I would clean. Uh, 
fastidious cleaning, like OCD cleaning. I would even vacuum the coffee and dining tables. When I went to bed at night, I knew if I awoke at 2 or 3 or 4, there was no going back to sleep. So off I would go downstairs to start to clean. Vacuum, wash the floors, wax the floors, dust, wash walls. Approximately a month into this behavior, I noticed a small alcove that I had continually missed. In it, propped up beside our record cabinet, were about a half a dozen LPs stacked vertically. I picked them up and placed them on the dining room table. I vacuum the area. I get down. I wash the floor, then wax it. I move on. I reach the dining room table. I need to move the table, so I take the records. There's nothing else on the table. And I move them onto the kitchen counter. I move the table, vacuum, wash, wax the floor. Kitchen next, so I take the records and I place them back on top of the dining room table. The kitchen is now clean. Time to clean the top of the dining room table, so I move the records onto the record cabinet. I clean the tabletop. What next? Well, I guess I'll refile the records. I walk over to the records, and on top of them is the first ring I had ever bought my wife. Hmm. I have to say, boy, with that start of that story, now by knowing he's a man, it's like, oh, I want to adopt him. Like, <laughs> 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 wow. <laughs> but yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a very positive story. Uh, okay, there's that one. All right. Um, yeah, any other comments on that one? It's, it's kind of like that, uh, the stories where you are, you are looking for something and then. You didn't know you were looking for and, it? And, yeah, and then all of a sudden you stop. Or just, when you're not looking for something, you tend to find it. True. All right. This one. uh, This one comes from Mark. And he says he has always suffered from sleep paralysis and had a number of strange experiences. I woke one night to feel myself floating parallel to my... Uh, Let me try that again, because those words don't quite work. Floating parallel, I think he means by himself. And another night, I found myself running, rushing through a gray hallway, and I was very conscious of the fact that nothing was supporting my weight. The strangest part of this experience was the fact that I was asking myself, how can I be moving forward through my room for so many feet when my, when my wall is only eight feet from the foot of the bed? From an early age, I've always had dreams of things flying outside our house, landing in my neighbor's field and in the church parking lot behind our house. I have watched anything and everything in, on UFOs, but I've never had any dreams about things I've seen on television. The objects I saw in the air always seem to be dancing at the end of our driveway. I have also experienced a cessation of flying above my neighborhood from an early age, and I was aware of the fact that in order for me to remain aloft, I needed to maintain a certain level of concentration, and if I didn't, I would remain on the ground. I have had numerous dreams of having the ability of running on all fours. The weird thing is that it that it was like I had to retrain myself in order for my movement to be fluid while running. After a few minutes, I was able to move at a decent gait, and I'm off running. I am not big on sharing my experiences with everyone because most people cannot appreciate the high strangeness if it had not happened to the, if it hasn't happened to them. Um, So I've actually had experiences similar to this. Uh, The floating dreams, the the needing to stay concentrating to to, to stay uh, floating. Things like that, I've I've definitely had those type of experience, and they very well may be out of body type of experiences. 
Yeah, I was going to say I've had I've had dreams like that where you, where sometimes it's easier to float. Like in some dreams, it's just effortless, and other times you really have to work at it. Sometimes it's almost like swimming. <laughs> right, right, and, and and even although I haven't had a dream of being on all fours, that I've had dreams that felt very real, where where I was I was sort of hopping along the ground, and with each hop, I could get further. And I remember, and I had these as a kid, and I remember trying to do it in real life, and it just wasn't working. But like the the knowledge of how to do it was in my head. So, do you think that that was an out of body experience that you were having? Probably. It's a good, good, good case for that, I think. And it sounds similar. I mean, with him, it's on all fours. I mean, maybe he's a werewolf. Yeah, I mean, kind of like a bit. Well, I mean, no, what like a kind of like a vision quest kind of thing, right? Yeah, actually, but that's exactly the, what I was thinking. You know, the sleep paralysis. Um, I don't know. There's, I mean, I know this, but there's people that say that the sleep paralysis that could lead to out of body experiences. That yes. you can basically use that to have an out of an OBE. And you may not even know it, such as a quote-unquote dream that I had. Um, and it was actually the people at the Nox Mente that had me thinking about this in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it might be a little similar to this. When I was, I'm going to say I was probably about 14 or so, I had this weird dream where... I was crawling on the floor, basically, like I couldn't move, and I was crawling on the floor, and I was I reached up for like the light switch in the room, and I f- was about and I touched it, and then the next thing I know, I wake up, and I always just thought of that as a weird dream. But when I went on that show, they told me uh, they said, "You think you might have had an out of body experience." And I had never actually thought about it like that. So it's a little similar to what you're talking about and what uh, the listener is talking about, too. Yeah. And I think there's kind of a gray area with a lot of this stuff where it it kind of doesn't matter, you know? Sure. Because it has the same effect on you. Yeah. But I never thought about it until 2017, uh, as that is some kind of like OBE or out of body experience, but uh, now that I think about it, it must have that it it it, it felt like that's what it was. Hmm. Uh, he has a second part here. Uh, he says he forgot. Uh, he said he forgot to mention the high strangeness involving his daughter. Um, he says I am divorced, but my ex wife and I maintain a good relationship because of our daughter, so we hang out on the regular. My interest in UFOs was always fodder for jokes for my ex and my daughter, who was 10 at the time, on a regular basis. One morning, my daughter came into the room and proceeded to tell me that she saw lights in the sky last night, and my response was to tell her it was a fire engine, ambulance, or police car. She's usually very animated, but it was very deadpan in her response. She told me it wasn't any of these things I had suggested, but didn't say anything else about it that day. She came in a month later with the same story and said the lights were definitely not anything she was familiar with. I forgot to say that I didn't 
I did not watch any UFO-related programs because I didn't want her to have dreams based on that kind of programming. What really shocked me is when her mother started joking about a UFO program I was watching and what my daughter said. She says in a very deadpan voice that she doesn't believe in Bigfoot, but UFOs are real. I didn't ask any questions because I didn't want to plant any seeds in her head. Shortly after this incident, I noticed that there was a huge blood stain all over her pink pillowcase that had been there for some time, but I never paid any attention to it until that day. My daughter would freak out over a paper cut, so a bloody nose would have been a major event. She never said anything about the stain, and there should have been blood all over her face and clothes with the size of the stain. I came to the realization that the stain had been there for some time, but I never acknowledged it. I kept looking at the pillowcase and wondering why I never paid attention to it and never asked her how the stain and I never asked her how the stain got there. She didn't eat in bed and if she was trying to hide it from me she would have been taking the pillowcase off. So I have no good explanation as to what happened. Does he think that she got abducted? I, I would think that's where it's leaning, yeah. Or whatever abducted means. Right. Yeah, and nosebleeds, that's, isn't that something that's fairly common? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's hard to say. I mean, you would need a lot more information than that, but uh, it's definitely something you wouldn't want to see going into your kid's room. No. <laughs> but it sounds like she was seeing something, at least. Uh, all right, let's see. It was a long one here. I wanted to get to the long one. Okay. I want to make sure we have enough time to get through this one. So this is broken into a few pieces. Um, and it's anonymous. So I think it's broken into three. Yes, yeah, there are three parts here. And he says he's in his 50s. He's uh, He has a wife who he's been with for over 25 years. Um, and goes on to explain, you know, he's a professional... He's not someone who goes on ghost hunts, visits psychics, or or reads his horoscope or anything like that. Um, but he says the, the experiences he's had over the past few decades have changed his viewpoint on life and universe in a drastic way. Um, okay, so he, he broke these down. One was his haunted house. He says, about 16 years ago, my wife and I purchased a home built in the 1870s. It is located in an area of Massachusetts known as the Bridgewater Triangle. My wife is from another county, another country, and her life experiences are quite different than mine. Hers led her to a more open-minded view of spirits and hauntings. The first couple of years living here with my wife and kids would would routinely the first couple of years living here, my wife and kids would routinely describe odd noises and occurrences. I would always explain them away. It's an old house; it makes weird noises. You were dreaming. It's just the heating system, etc. Then one night I was lying in bed when I heard a scraping sound and then a large bang. I should interject here that I do not fall asleep easily, and when asleep, I awaken easily. I know how that goes. I was not asleep at all, and I heard this noise, and I, as we have some large mirrors and framed artwork in the house, I assumed my wife had propped one up against the wall and it had slid down and crashed on the floor. I searched the entire first floor and could not find anything that could have made that noise. Again, I've also been there before. Um, over the years, we've had two different dogs consecutively. At, bo at times, both dogs would look down a particular hallway and growl. Neither dog was or is particularly aggressive in any way. 
There are two areas on the first floor where apparitions have been seen. It's always the same, a large black-gray shadow of the outline of a man. I'm six foot four, and this figure is about my size or a little bit larger. I've seen it on a few occasions, and always in the dark. It'll pass quickly in front of me, always, always in the mud room or the dining room, and then be gone. One evening, I came home late. My wife was at work. The light was on in the kitchen behind me, and it was lighting up the dining room fairly well. As I walked into the dining room, this thing loomed up from my left and quickly passed in front of me. It could not have been a shadow, as it was in midair in a lighted room. My wife has seen this several times as well, and even my brother was visiting one night and began speaking to it, thinking it was me. When he realized I was in the TV room, he nearly peed his pants. It was pretty humorous, as he's six foot three, three hundred pounds, and an ex-college football player. Okay. Which, yes, I'm sure that was thoroughly amusing. <laughs> Man, I'd be moving. I'd be... <laughs> I, I, again, though, I'd be more afraid it was an actual person. Well, I mean, yeah, that would be freaky. It's like, like that guy. It's like the guy that was living in that girl's closet in North Carolina. Did you hear about that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but like, like if if, if there's going to be something in my house, I'd much rather it be a spirit than a uh, a person. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just like some some hobo living up in your in your in your attic or something. Right, right. Coming just... down and coming down eating your food at night. <laughs> oh yes, I did hear about that. Or or just you know someone breaking into your house. Yeah. Uh, He says, another time, one of my brothers was visiting his children. We were in my son's room showing him and his kids some of the murals I painted on my son's wall. His latest, his second oldest daughter, who at the time would have been about nine years old, wasn't with us. A few minutes later, she came in and her father asked where she'd been. She said she was talking to the little girl. There were no other kids in the house at that time. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Does that creep you out? (laughs) That's just weird. (laughs) He says, my son. Ghost kids are freaky, man. (laughs) That's just freaky. I mean, does that not, I mean, does that not freaky and just like, just, just troublesome that you've got a child stuck in the, either that or it's something pretending to be a child. That's even worse. Yeah, wow. see, I think you've seen too many horror movies where they do that. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, my too son... Too haunting episodes. My son, who is the most skeptical person in the family, has had a few experiences as well. When he was about 12 years old, he had a small night table, a small night table beside his bed. He put a bottle of water on it prior to going to sleep. As he was sleeping, he heard a strange noise and looked to see the bottle of water on the floor directly underneath the table it had just been sitting on. The bottle was still standing, and he said it looked like it had passed directly through the table. A similar thing happened with an action figure he had on his desk a few years later. And that reminds me of a story someone sent in a few years ago where he went to put a book on his desk in class, and it ended up on the floor like it moved right through the desk. And I don't remember the exact details, but if he's still listening, he, he knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> like it went straight, like it transcended matter or something. Right, right. Uh, uh. And there was no good explanation how it went from on top of the desk to under the desk. Uh-huh. Uh, a few years ago, we were having some work done on the first floor. Well, there's some, some uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I don't know, but whenever you build something on your house, that's supposed to uh, right. wake up activity. Yeah. yeah. Liminal. Liminal. Yeah. I was looking uh, for the word liminal. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, brain. Uh, Renovations uh, have been known to do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and now I lost where I was. Okay. So we have, all right. The spirits or whatever they are didn't seem to like it. Of course not. That's normal. Uh, one day after the workmen left, my wife was trying to clean up the mess when two of the doors on the first floor kept opening. She would shut them, and then they would swing right back open with her watching them. She screamed at the spirit, saying, This is my house now. I can do whatever I want with it. We don't mind you being here as long as you behave. Since that time, much of the activity is curtailed. The only time anything really happens anymore is when my wife is out or asleep. And that's exactly how you should deal with it. As far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's how I deal with it. When I had the thing continually turning up the stereo, I told it I didn't like ACDC and to cut it out. And it stopped doing it. <laughs> I have to ask, the Bridgewater Triangle, is that like a UFO? Yes, it's a supernatural hotspot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, uh, there's a lot of things. If Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a lot of phenomena, type of phenomena that happened there. Weird, Supposedly, yeah. UFOs, weird creatures, all kinds of stuff like that. I is, Mo- is Mothman part of that no. area? No, no that's no. that's West Virginia. Oh, yeah. Right. This is in uh, New, uh, Massachusetts area, yep. I believe. Massachusetts, yep. Okay, I just thought there was some kind of cryptid or something that was... There, there might be. I think it's like Western Massachusetts, I think. There, there were... There, uh, when I went to Para Horror Convention, there were these three girls there who did a ghost hunting show, maybe on YouTube. I forget now because it's been a few years. But they were talking about the Bridgewater Triangle stuff and having like when they they stopped their car on this road and these handprints started appearing on the car windows. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it like seems a bri- like- it's like a bridge or something. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, we didn't yeah. push the car, and I, it's. I, Again, it's been a while, so I don't remember the details. It's on the on the YouTube somewhere. Uh, it's one of the video interviews because I did it at Parahar. Um, okay, so the this continues. The odd thing is that none of what has happened has ever scared me other than a few jump scares. I never felt anything malevolent about it, and neither has my wife. This past spring, though, I had a couple a, a series of events happen, each of which is rationally explainable, but the series left me quite disquieted. I was sleeping in my bedroom on the first floor. I was having an unmemorable dream when suddenly the dream completely shifted uh, into me lying on my side and someone or something creeping up besides me, beside me. And I hate those. As I was sleeping, I was laying on my side as well. And just as the thing in the dream was about to touch me, I felt something touched my back in the non-dream world. It did not feel like a hand, but like a small object of some sort. It was not a painful jab, but a soft touch was something that felt it rounded. And he immediately woke up, spun around to see nothing. My room is quite dark, and having just awakened, my eyes were not really focusing all that well. What I did see looked like a dim white light that seemed smudged or out of focus. It moved from my right to my left for about a foot and then dissipated. I chalked it up to my old eyes just playing tricks on me. Uh, I got up and I went to the bathroom which is immediately beside the bedroom. Outside of the bathroom is a window with an air conditioner in it. I just installed the window unit that day because it had been hot, 
It was on when I went to the bathroom. When I came out, it was off. I thought it must be on a thermostat setting and went back to my bedroom. Just as I closed my door, the unit kicked on again. I opened the door to check and it was on. Thinking no more of it, I went back to bed. I'm not a good sleeper, and when woken during the night, it can take me some time to get back to sleep. As I was in bed, I was nearing the cusp of sleeping when I heard a loud bang. I thought to myself that it was just the heating system kicked in, and then I realized I'd turned all the thermostats off earlier that day. I perked up and waited to see if there were more bangs, and sure enough, another came within a few minutes. It seemed to be coming from the bedroom directly above mine, which serves as a guest room at this time. So I went up, and I went so I got up and I went up the back stairs to investigate. I don't turn any turn on any lights because I know the house very well, and once I get full light in my eyes, I know I'll be awake for another hour or two. So I entered the living area, and uh, the living room area on the second floor, and the door to the room where I thought the banging was coming from stood ajar by about eight inches. Just as I approached it, it slammed shut in my face, banging loudly. I immediately pushed the door open to find out what the heck was going on. As I looked in the room, I could see the drapes blowing in from the wind, in the wind from the open windows, so I closed the door tight and headed back downstairs. Being in my 50s, I thought it might be a good idea to empty the bladder one more time before trying to get some more sleep. I opened the bathroom door and walked toward the john when something hairy brushed against my leg. I jumped and nearly screamed. It only took me a moment to realize it was my stupid dog. She must have gotten trapped in the bathroom when I when I went in earlier. I shoot her out and did my business. Afterwards, I went back to bed again and did some breathing exercises to try and relax. I couldn't relax and just couldn't get rid of the sense that there was someone in the room with me. I actually said out loud something like, whoever the hell is in here with me, you're not welcome. Get out. Just as I did that, and then went to lay back down, I heard, heard an audible exhale coming from near ground level. I have an old four-poster bed that sits quite, quite high off the ground. I leapt from the bed and searched the floor, nothing. So I looked under the bed, and there's my stupid dog again. She must have snuck in after I kicked her out of the bathroom. Anyway, for every odd thing that I experienced, there's a completely rational explanation. I don't think there was a single paranormal thing about any of it. However, I couldn't get back to sleep. The conjunction of this odd series of events left me quite with a disquieting feeling that someone or something was trying to screw with me or communicate with me. And the first thing this makes me think of is Whitley Strieber talking about, you know, contact experiences and waking up from them and just being par almost paranoid running around his house, you know, making sure the windows are locked and the doors are locked. It, it seems like whatever it, it seems like the first thing may have been an odd experience and it just put him on edge for everything else that happened afterwards. Yeah, and he still wakes up at you know, three in the morning and meditates. Oh, does he? Yeah. So I mean the 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 feeling something touching the back of his neck and then seeing a light in the room, I mean, that's that's indicative of some kind of contact with something to me. If I saw that, I might also try to justify it away as my eyes playing tricks on me, but I would also have, you know, that reservation. It, like, it's, it's a maybe thing. Like, that could have been something other than just my eyes playing tricks on me. Something uh, trying to spoon with him in the middle of the night. That's... Uh... <laughs> That's pretty freaky. I I've had that experience. Usually, really? Usually, in in like dream in sort of lucid sort of sleep paralysis. I realize there's not a good way to explain it because it's uh -huh. where, you, where you know you're asleep but you can't wake up. 
Uh, and it's not sleep paralysis where you are awake but can't move. You're still in the dream state. And I've had things like one night, I just every time I went to sleep, something would literally crawl up behind me like it was spooning with me and give me horrible chills. And I'd wake up and, of course, it would stop. And I'd be like, all right. And I'd go back to sleep. And as soon as I went back to sleep, it would do it again. And like I, it was really aggravating me because I was, didn't want to go back to sleep, but I was really tired and wanted to go back to sleep. Wow, Soraya, that's freaky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was very annoying as well. So, so okay, so the hairy thing in the bathroom was his dog. Right, right. And then the exhale was, was his dog as well. his dog, yeah. So, and- then, so then he's at, he's, he's had this kind of weird thing happen to him, and he's now at, almost like kind of a hypervigilant state of alertness. Exactly. He's very on of edge. What, because of what has happened, yeah. So, yeah, and, and I think that almost lends more to the fact that something probably started that whole thing off, even if the rest of the stuff wasn't paranormal or weird. Sure. Shirley? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that, you know, but... Particularly since, you know, like he started off talking about, you know, he's from the Bridgewater Triangle, which, <laughs> you know, which carries some baggage. <laughs> like, just that place. <laughs> well, just in the old home anyway. I, yeah, and, and yeah. An, old, an old house and, and the fact that, you know, he's kind of, he could, you know, he could be just trying to connect with something unconsciously. You know, because he seems to have these ideas about the place. Because I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say, "Okay, I'm," you know, "I'm from this place where scary things happen and scary things happen." <laughs> <laughs> well, the, okay. So the second part of his email deals with his UFO sightings. All right. So he says, "I've seen two things in the sky I simply cannot explain, and they both occurred last summer." Let me say I spent a lot of time outdoors, and I've seen a lot of strange things in the sky, but most of them I could rationalize away. These two I couldn't. It was late spring or early summer, and my wife and I were camping by a lake in our hometown. I got up in the middle of the night to pee, and then when I got down to the lakeside to check out the moon and stars, it was a very clean, clear night. I saw movement and looked up at what I thought was a high-altitude flight. There were four white lights grouped closely together in the shape of a diamond. The thing was so high I wasn't sure if it was four separate lights or if it was one light that was refracting. I thought it must be a satellite. It moved slowly from my left to my right. One of the lights began to grow brighter, which gave me the thought that it was a plane and it was now turning one of the wing strobes uh, towards me. However, the lights did not strobe and the light grew brighter and brighter to the point like I felt like it was intentionally directed at me. It got very v- bright very quickly and I took a step back and closed my eyes briefly. As I stepped back, I tripped over a tree root and nearly fell. By the time I gathered myself, which wasn't long, I looked up and the thing was gone. Um, A couple of months later, in August, I took my dog out back into the backyard to do her business. On the way back, a bright light caught my eye. At first, I thought it was an airplane. However, I'm familiar with the flight patterns in my area, and this light was not one of the normal flight paths. In fact, I could see a plane to the left headed toward Logan Airport and another further to the right leaving Logan or heading toward TF Green. Initially, the light was amber-colored and seemed very high in altitude. However, its brightness was about twice that of the airplanes. The light was solid and not strobing. It appeared to be somewhat cross-shaped, 
but I wasn't sure if that might have just been light refraction as well. There were scattered low-level clouds, but none blocked the view. The light traveled from north-northeast to the south-southeast. The light traveled approximately at the same speed as a high-altitude plane. Within 5 to 10 seconds, the light started losing its intensity and the color faded to white. After another 10 seconds, the light slowly lost its intensity until it was nothing more than a pinpoint of light no bigger than a very small star. Within a second, it faded to complete darkness and I had lost sight of it. The entire episode was about 15 to 20 seconds in duration. I've seen hundreds of shooting stars in my life. If this was a shooting star, it moved far slower than anything I've ever seen, and it didn't have a tail. So the first one is is definitely bizarre. The second one's strange, but I think the first one is way stranger than the second one. And how long ago were these? Are these uh, recent? Yeah, last summer. Because, yeah, I mean, sometimes you also have to think drones, but... Well, again, that, that's why I say the, the first one's weirder, because they have the four lights and one getting brighter and brighter and then completely gone from the sky after yeah. tripping over something. Yeah. No, dr- no drones moving that fast. Well, and you can hear drones, too, usually. Usually, yeah. So the second one, I mean, it, it, it definitely seems odd. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've definitely seen lights in the sky where I go, is that a plane? But usually after a few seconds, you start to see one of the strobe lights or something, and you're going, okay, that's a plane. Yeah, you know pretty quick. Yeah. Well, because even drones, is, we've had them fly over our neighborhood, and mm-hmm. those, they creep me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really creep me out, and I know they're drones. <laughs> Why? Because they're so, they're so quiet? Are they just... No, because it just feels like an invasion of privacy, because I know yeah. that... Oh, yeah. that like when you know I, I know the police use them for for surveillance which is fine that doesn't bother me as much but like when we had the tornado here there was you know drones flown over the neighborhood by private people trying to get footage for you know youtube videos and it just seemed like a bit of an invasion of privacy yeah yeah i can yeah. see that so that's why they that's why they creep me out because i just never know you know what are they looking at <laughs> And, and they're and they're generally pretty easy to pick out. I mean, I like I was driving along and saw one in the field uh, in the that I was driving past, and for a moment I'm like, "What the hell? Oh, it's a drone!" You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised see- with all your experiences, Sarai. You're just not like, "Oh, it's just another flying saucer." <laughs> yeah. I've I've only had a, a few UFO sightings. It's it's that's not yeah. been the bulk of my experiences. You did see the mothership, though. So yeah, that that's the main one. That's the the, the really big okay. one that I have absolutely no explanation for. Okay, so he has one more section, uh, which is pretty interesting, called deep meditation. He says, "I have meditated most days since I was twenty five years old. I have tried many techniques over the years, and will use a particular technique until it starts to feel stale, and then I will try a new one or go back to one I've used in the past." I've had a lot of great experiences meditating over the years and it has taught me a lot. However, there are only a handful of experiences that I feel were real and not just deeply focused imagination. One occurred many years ago when my wife and I were newly married. At that time, there was a place I had created mentally that I would often go to during meditation. It was a place of verdant rolling hills and a blue lake that was so placid it was like a mirror. On this one visit, I noticed something new. There was a dark gray figure near the lake. As I approached it, it appeared to be a weathered granite statue of a gargoyle. 
I approached it from behind, got in front of it, and looked up at its face. Just as I was studying its face, the entire thing opened up in a way I could not put into words. In front of me was the face, not the head, just the face of the most beautiful woman you have ever seen. Emanating from here was a bright light and an amorphous ribbons of pastel colors. It was breathtakingly gorgeous. She explained to me that she was my wife's guardian angel. She explained to me my responsibilities regarding my wife and that she was very powerful, and if I did not live up to my responsibilities, it would not go well for me. I must add that none of this was threatening to me. We wanted to discuss many other things that are of a personal nature and I don't wish to share here. The conversation went on for almost an hour and didn't end until my wife came into the bedroom and told me to hurry up. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I don't know if it's a secondary agency or whether it's her wife's subconscious presence. Um, letting even, him know, like, behave yourself, buddy. Higher, or, or, hi, higher self kind of thing. Hey, yeah, yeah or, his, or his higher self, too, could also be that, uh, you know, he, he, he connected with that to make sure he keeps himself in line. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. Uh, the second one was very different. I come from a large Irish Catholic family and have six siblings. One of my sisters died when she was just 16 and I was 14 years old. At that time, of all the family members I knew, of all the family... Of, uh, let me try again. Words are getting hard here. Uh, at that Words. time... <laughs> Words. Of all my family members, I only knew the birthdays of my younger brother and my mother. I didn't even know my father's. We weren't much into birthday celebrations. Anyway, one day I went to meditate and I immediately felt like someone wanted to talk to me. I had never had this feeling before nor since. I opened up to the communication and felt someone come in. None of this meditation was visual. I perceived it through the senses of hearing and touch. It was my deceased sister. Sensing she needed to tell me something, I asked what it was. She said I have to tell my other sister that the deceased one was okay and there was nothing to worry about. She then gave me a hug and I hugged her back. I could feel her love and I began crying like a baby. Later that day, we were visiting my mother. My mother is very Catholic and not open to these sort of things, but for some reason I felt I needed to tell her. She had a shocked look on her face and asked me if I knew what day it was. It was my deceased sister's birthday. Mm. She had me call my living sister and tell her. She was very happy to receive the news that she'd been missing her only sister a lot and was worried for her. I just have to add here that I come from a family where these types of things are not discussed. Nothing emotional is discussed. I know that skeptical people will say that I subconsciously knew my sister's birthday, etc., etc. To them, I would say that if you had ever experienced anything like this, you would know that in the deepest part of you, it was a real experience and one that changed my life. In my younger years, I did I did hallucinogens a few times. I don't I don't know why that's just put in right there. I have a few others I would share, but I don't want to make the bore you or make this a novel length, so I'll end it here. When he had this experience, he was doing the meditation. Yes, he was doing the meditation. Okay. Because I was wondering why the deceased sister would come to him. Maybe because it's not, she saw not an the, opening. Right, and not the mother or the other sister. Well, he's, but if know, he was doing it, he was putting himself in an altered state. Not, not only that, but I don't think his mother, from the sounds of it, would have been receptive to it. I don't know about his sister. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and when you're meditating, you're basically listening. And, right. You know, yeah. You know? You're leaving so, yourself. You're leaving yourself open to that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you take all these experiences, the haunted house experiences, the the thing tapping them on the neck and the light light in the room, the the UFO sightings, and you know some of the meditation experiences, it definitely sounds like he's. He's probably separating these things out more than they need to be. Like right. the problem, it's probably that he's sensitive to this stuff in general. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's putting every putting things into a box when it's really all the same. Yeah. The because I would connect that that tap to the back of the deck and the light in the room to something similar to the light in the woods. Right. Not not necessarily alien, but something communicating with him. Yeah, even if it's like his higher self that's doing it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's coming from internal or external, I think it was the same type of thing, just in a different form. Yeah, and of course, if we're all one and interconnected, like Larry Dossey, I don't know if you've read the book One Mind, but if we're, if we're all interconnected, then we're all talking to ourselves anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have not read the book, but I get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree with that. I, th- I do think we're all connected, though. I think that we're all connected on some level higher up, and we've been split off from it. Well, well, see, but then that that's pretty much agreeing with him. He's basically saying that, that we're all little fragments of kind of a mass consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I don't know if that... Uh, Seth had a way of saying it, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It's it's almost like each personality, when you die, you can create sort of more splinter personalities that splinter off of you. You don't lose that that personality, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, because, I mean, I've heard some people say it's like um, water from the ocean where, you know, it, there's the oceans, the mass consciousness, and then the water evaporates and becomes individual raindrops that eventually make their way back to the ocean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one way of looking at it, definitely. I'm not but, sure if I agree with it, because it seems like the universe is... I, I feel like the universe is trying to become more, more, you know, and it doesn't do that by just being the same thing. Yeah, and, I, you know, there's also, like, you know, near-death experiences, people don't... Although people say they feel connected to every everything, there's still that feeling of being an individual amongst all yeah. that interconnectedness. I guess you would know that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That you know the, the the you know there's that there's still that feeling of I have this identity, like I'm still me. Right, right. I guess we'll never know till we actually die. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, we, we, the near-death state may not be what happens when we actually die. That's the other thing. Well, or it may not be what happens 10 minutes after. Maybe it's what happens yeah. one minute after, but, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. how how it, it doesn't really, uh, you know, you can't know if that's how things stay. And And I also suspect that things are different for each person. I mean, there's no reason that everything's going to be exactly the same because most things in life are not exactly the same for everybody. Yeah. So why should we think any of this stuff afterwards or outside of here is going to be the same for everybody? Near-death experiences aren't the same. Oh, you've had, what, three different ones? Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, there's, there's a large variety of people who have had different types of near-death experiences. And maybe some people do go back to the ocean and other people don't for a while. Yeah. Well, that's the idea of, you know, is there reincarnation? And, you know. Yeah. And maybe, maybe some so. people do and some and don't. some people don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know that there's a, a set, this is what happens to everybody. Again, life life here doesn't seem like that. Why should we assume anything out, outside of here is going to be simpler? Yeah. But, you know, it's sort of interesting with all these experiences, when you talk to people and find out what's important to them and what they focus on, that seems to be how the experiences relate to them. You know? Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. the focus of the experience. Like, you know, when you talk about things like Skinwalker Ranch, and I heard an interview with George Knapp where he said he's never had any experiences there. Mm-hmm. But his wife did after he went home. Really? Yeah. So, you know, and like they talk about those kind of hitchhiker experiences that come home with you yeah. and affect the people at home. Well, you know, and I've only heard him mention that once and it, I have to look for the interview to find find where it was. But, yeah, he, he commented that his family was affected. And, like, clearly he's a nice guy who really, he, he's not worried about himself out confronting the unknown. But he clearly worries about it affecting his family. Sure, sure. You know, and that's what it did. <laughs> huh. You know, like. Yeah, that, well, that, that, that's, I think, going to get to more people. You know, I think a lot of people are more worried about what's going to happen to their family than them. Yeah. Uh, anything to add, Adam? <sighs> that wasn't much. I mean, the whole near-death experience thing is pretty new to me. Um, I mean, I'm really interested in it, but I don't really truly know a lot about it. There's some interesting material that's out there, and I've definitely heard your experiences here, Lee. I just don't know too much about to to really speak on it. I, I, I... I think a lot of it is like we don't really know what could possibly happen. Oh, uh, I th- yeah, I think it's beyond our comprehension. Yeah, it, it truly is, and we can't really we can't really put it in any kind of scientific terms either. The whole uh, that uh, and that just goes back to trying to prove any of this any of the stuff scientifically. I'm yeah, not sure they, you can they, really do it. They can do. You know, there are some things that they they certain, tried to quantify, like you know, um, yeah. Bruce Grayson did a study on realer than real. Like you know, like near death experiences will say that these experiences are realer than real to them, mm. and he actually found a way to quantify that. Believe it or not. <laughs> How? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a while the, since I read that ul- paper. The okay. ultra, that kind of ultra realness of the of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've I've heard of that in the near in the near death experience. People come back and they say that you know this is not the real world. That's right. the real world. Yeah. Well, that's because we're in a video game. Yeah. Did you guys um, um, see that story that I posted? We talked about this on the episode we recorded, though I haven't put out yet. But did you see that, um, Soraya? I don't know. On uh, I, I posted it up on your on your group. It was about a guy that it was posted on Reddit. So I'm kind of I'm a little skeptical of the right. story just because it's a story and it's not 
unlike the ones that you have here where you can kind of vouch that these you can vouch that these people are real they're real listeners to the show this one is something that's just posted on a on a messaging board but it was interesting in that I think I know what you're talking about this guy said that he I, I he somebody ran into him that was 200 more pounds than him and, and knocked him down knocked him unconscious Mm-hmm. And he essentially, long story short, he meets a woman, he falls in love, they have children, and then he wakes up, and it was like he, it was like he lived ten years in the space of moments. And he said he kept looking at a light, and the light never looked right, and then the light started to expand, and then he was but, back. Yeah. He said yeah. the, li- the light inverted in a way that things don't invert, and he couldn't stop focusing on it, and then eventually he ended right. up back in this reality. Right, right. And, I mean, I, I don't know if I truly buy the story. There's a couple of things about it that were kind of weird. But it's an interesting concept. And there's other, um, like I, we were talking to Richard Haddam last night, and when I brought that up, he brought up a story that he knew of where this gentleman had basically come back from a near-death experience and he said and his son asked him about it and he said that he had a life review but he lived the last 50 years of his life over again but not only did he live that over again he lived it through the eyes of all the other people that he knew i've heard that now, Shirley, did you have any experience like that? Um, sorry, I couldn't hear the last part very well. Um, he, basically, in his life review, he not only saw his own life review, but he saw it through the views of everyone he came in contact with, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's, that's, and that's actually commonly reported. Okay. Because, I mean, I, I guess the way I've heard it put is that you feel all the good and bad you did to other people as well uh, from their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, but, I, but I've never heard it in the way of, in the means of that it literally took 50 years to, for, for him to experience that as he perceived it. Mm, and then you okay. got to realize how many people did, was that compounded by? Did he experience millions upon billions of years because of that? I mean that's just that to to get your mind around that is uh, is perplexing. Well, I I would hope in a way that 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 is hell for some people. So if you take you know like the the con- that concept in general, like if you take some of these mass murderers like Hitler or you know the, these people who either directly or indirectly killed millions of people in horrible ways. When they die, if they have to experience what each and every one of them experienced because of them, that would be hell. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, maybe maybe that's how it all works itself out afterwards. But then, too, the nature of reality in and of itself, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> the movie Jacob's Ladder. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh, yeah. It's That's a, great a good movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the spoiler alert there is that it's a near-death experience, right? Or it's a death experience. Yeah. But 
it really makes you question your reality now. Are, yes. are we in the middle of, am I talking to you guys right now in the middle of my near death experience? <laughs> and, and, and jumping back to Seth, cause I have a hard time not doing that sometimes. Um, you, you love Seth. I need to get you a Seth t-shirt. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, I, I think part of it is that I really didn't want to. And yeah. it's managed to convince me that there's at least valuable stuff to it. No matter what the actual source is, there's valuable stuff there. And uh, Seth would say that, you know, some people are meant to come here to do bad things for other people to to prevail against. You know, and when you look at it that way and you look at some of these horrible people, you think, okay, but they were here for a reason. They were here for, for us to, to grow against, you know, in which case. When they it makes die, sense because that's how it works out. Right. right? And, and thus, when they die, they're not necessarily going to go to that hell because they were here. To, they, they did what they were supposed to do when they were here. Um, and that, that brings me, we're almost out of time here. That brings me to Babylon 5 where they had the, the two uh, groups that were kind of leading humanity, the Shadows and the Vorlons. And the, the Vorlons were very protective of humanity and thought the best way for humanity and these other races, not just humanity, to progress was for them to lead them along very carefully, whereas the Shadows felt the best way for them to progress was to pit them against one another. And as you get into the series, you know, initially the shadows seem like they're really evil, but when you get to get to a certain point, you realize, oh, the shadows are trying to make us independent and the Vorlons want us dependent on them. And so they, they kind of flip that light and dark sort of dichotomy halfway through and you're going, I don't know who the good guy and bad guy is anymore. It doesn't seem like either is good or bad. It's just a different way of looking at things. Hmm. That was one of the many things I loved about that series. Shirley, were you not a fan? I never watched that one, no. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have very different tastes in television. <laughs> but we both like sci-fi. We do. <laughs> I know. We do. Uh, but you never watched it, though, so you don't know if you liked it. No, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, so I mean... Maybe the 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 life review is to change our path here because we're going back, and maybe it doesn't happen when you actually die. It could be. Oh, we're doing it right now. Oh, we've all, oh we've already done it before. I don't know. It's all happened before. It, it will happen again. Uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, that's a Canadian produced show. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I like the original Battlestar Galactica. I liked the the new version at first, but it kind of wore on me as it went on, and I realized they had no direction. The the original Battle the the um the remade Battlestar Galactica is the best show ever made, Soraya. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, you yeah. didn't give it a chance. It is. It is. And I liked Caprica too, but they didn't give I liked, it long I, enough. I, I, did, I did like Caprica. Yeah. yeah. I, I only watched, the, I only saw the first few episodes of that. I haven't, uh, it only had one season, I think. Yeah. And it was only like 13 episodes or so. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, BS, BSG I liked when it started, and then like you know, at, at a certain point they couldn't even keep the number of Cylons straight, and so they had to start making up stuff, and it was kind of like, wow, you really didn't plan this out, did you? Uh, I don't know about that. Oh no, they they flat out said they did. Oh, uh, that really? Yeah, their whole <laughs> boxing up Cylons was because they they initially said there were so many models, and then accidentally said the wrong number somewhere in the first season and we're like, how do we fix this? <laughs> yeah. Always create new ones. <laughs> there, there were, there were a couple of things that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, that, that was the thing. And I thought the ending was kind of, eh. if it had a great ending, I would have liked the whole thing more. Yeah. You know, I, I, I watched it just recently again after 10 years of not seeing it. And I, you know, there's a lot of, there is a lot of like deus ex machina in it because you have these other beings that are, are constantly interfering in what's going on. And I saw a quote that George R.R. Martin, you know, Game of Thrones guy, he had basically said, he criticized them for the very last episode and said that it's just two deus ex machina. The thing is, like, throughout the entire series, that's all it was. You yeah. had these, yeah. these angels or whatever they were guiding this along, this whole process. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, did, did George R. R. Martin actually watch the show? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the, the first series was based off of the Chariot of the Gods stuff. Oh, yeah. And, 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 also, and there's a and certain also amount had... in, the, in the redone, too. Yeah, but, that's, yeah, but not that's as much. Yeah. I mean, it was heavy on the first one. They even went to a planet with a pyramid and all that kind of stuff. Right, um, right. Yeah, right. it was very deep in that, and I loved that stuff. It also had time. a lot of also had a lot of Mormon theology too. Did yeah, it? Oh, yeah. yes, it did. Yeah, and there were aliens. There weren't aliens in the new one. Right, there were just Cylons and humans. Yeah, but... which, as time goes on, essentially become the same thing. Right. I think is the great part of that show. All right. So we're out of time. Where can people find you, Adam? They can find me at conspiranormal.com or get the archives at conspiranormal.podomatic.com. Sometimes I'm hanging out here. All right. And Cheryl Lee is unavailable. <laughs> That's right. But you can write us here if you want us to pass something along to her. And a special shout-out to our patrons pledging $10 or more. Allison Cook, Lindsay Marie Trebet, Nick Martin, Super Inframan, UFO Weekly News, Tim, Maria, Nate Syria, Jennifer Campbell, Mike McGuire, American Rambler, Paul Buscini, Kevin, John Rutledge Foster, Eric Citron, Ben Crow, Janet Runyon, Andy McNamara, Sasha Lorg, Christopher Vaughn, Riker and Stark, Roland Belstadt, Robert Groom, Sean Cosgrove, Jose A., Craig Sisternos, Charles Beauregard, Lindsay Jackson K., Alfred Tuttle, Kevin Schreck, Patricia Gaiaquinta, William Lovelace, Mark Brady, Chris, John Eddy, and Carla Mahoney. Thank you all so very much. And we still have a bunch of stories yet to cover. Um, some I'm waiting for Tim Renner because they're Bigfoot related and I think he'll enjoy them. But if you have a strange story of what's happened to you, 
Uh, feel free to share stories at wheredidtheroadgo.com is the place to send them. That way they're all in the same place. And hopefully, eventually, I'm going to catch up with the year's worth of stories everyone has sent me. And uh, if you sent me one a while back, feel free to remind me. That's fine. It's not going to bother me. It's probably going to help. So, uh, yeah, again, stories at wheredidtheroadgo.com. And we'll continue covering these because I think it, it helps everyone involved to know that this stuff does happen. And you're not alone. All right, we're going to take you out with some Psyche Corporation. This is Nightmares. We'll see you next time. Shut the closet door. It's under the floor. The monster's there. Don't leave me here. Among these ghosts. You promised me nightmares the day I was born. You promised me hellfire. You were so sure I grew up To catch up to me, burn me, chill me, slake me, thrill me. I don't want the unicorn, I want the blood sucker, modify the uniform, cause I'm a monster.
have been listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.